you're one step ahead. All right. It is good to be here this morning. I appreciate the uh, the warm welcome. Hopefully there's not too much hype going on, but we're, we're excited to be here uh, this morning, and um, uh, we are honored to be here, and uh, you should be honored as well, not because I am here, but because I am wearing a button-up shirt and slacks <laughs> and dress shoes, and I normally don't wear these types of things. I wear clothes at church, but amen, but, but normally not so so dressy, but um, I'm excited. Uh, it's been uh, almost four years, almost to the day. It's been pretty close that God called us. Oh, don't lean on that. God called us uh, to uh, buy vocational student ministry again at Cedar Bay Baptist Church a few years ago. It's been four years almost at this point. And uh, we left with a five-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And we came back with two grown men. One is about to be 16. And a nine-year-old who thinks he's almost a grown man, and uh, <laughs> and so we're excited in the midst of that. You know, God called us uh, <laughs> surprisingly, in my eyes, and probably many of yours, uh, into full-time ministry uh, at Black Rock Baptist Church out in Newley, Florida. Um, and so we get to work full-time with students. I enjoy that. Get an opportunity to. Uh, I'm still trying to learn balance. As means you know, I, I love to get engrossed in my work. So sometimes I forget about the ministry side, but, you know, I get to go to high school, we go to baseball games and football games, and it's really expensive. They should have minister cards, I think, for us so we can get into games as many as we have to go to. They have not offered one yet, uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. Maybe I can get one, but, you know, we just get to spend time with teenagers and just love on them, and, and, uh, and they drive us crazy. Um, they drive us crazy, and, uh, you know, but we get the opportunity, and I always say, and I say it all the time at our church, I'm one of the luckiest men on earth to get to have the job that I have because there's not a lot of full-time student ministry positions out there to start with, and for me to fill one of them, um, I do not take it for granted. But we have a great time. It's good to be here. A pastor, your pastor is not here, so I'm going to talk a little bit about him today, why he's not here, <laughs> share some stories. Are we recording this, Brother Roger? Okay. I'll, he'll listen to it later, so we won't say too much about him. But I, I tell you, I was excited when, you know, when he offered you know, to, to let us come and, and speak, and, and, um, and so hopefully today, uh, God will speak to your heart, forgive, you know, uh, I, I mumble, stumble, whatever, but, but hopefully God has something for you this morning, but, but uh, yeah, most of you know who I am, so I'm not going to give you this whole big, big long testimony, so we're going to kind of just jump in today, and this is kind of a message that's kind of out of the ordinary for me, I know y'all used to Micah standing, like right here, but I got to move, I get ADHD, but then I start sweating because I start moving because I'm big. So I got me a towel, and so we're going to be all right, all right? But, but anyway, so uh, this message uh, is a little different for me. I'm a topical guy. I love to you give me a topic in a few minutes, and the Lord, is, you know, that's just my comfort zone. We're able to come up with these things. But, but this, this, um, this message came from a devotion uh, that we had for our students. And, and um, you know, I was just doing I was answering a question. When I answered the question, I was like, well, that would make an awesome message. And so God just kind of birthed this message. Uh, in my heart through this devotion, and so we're going to look in Judges chapter 15. If you want to turn there and get ready, uh, we're going to read. We're going to read scripture in just a minute, um, and, and so we're going to kind of break these verses down a little bit. Again, uh, it's out of my comfort zone, but I, I know that uh, the Holy Spirit gave this message, and God has used this message. I preached this message to our church uh, a couple Sunday nights ago. Uh, our pastor was out, and so I was able to share it with them first. They got the beta version, so hopefully. 
hopefully there's some improvement there or whatever. But, but uh, we're going to uh, look at Santa. The story of Santa is not one that we normally concentrate on. And, and, uh, but let me give you some, some background first. Um, what we know about Samson already. Samson was set apart. Before he was even conceived, God had set Samson apart uh, to be a judge over uh, the people of Israel, the people of Judah. And God had, had, had set him apart, you know, in his mother's, in his mother's womb. Said, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came and spoke to Samson's mom and dad, you know, before he was conceived. And we know that the angel of the Lord, when it's capitalized, right, that, that we know that is, that is who making an appearance in the Old Testament? Anybody? Jesus. Yes, we got a church answer. That's all you got to throw out of church. Either Bible or Jesus, right? But this one, the answer was Jesus, right? So it was, a, you know, Jesus in some form came down and spoke to them, the angel of the Lord, right? We know that his mom could not uh, eat unclean food. She couldn't drink wine or any type of alcoholic beverage or anything like that. Why was that? Not because it was bad for her, but it was bad for who? Samson. Samson was not allowed to have those things. So we know that what mom eats and drinks, guess who else gets that? Baby gets those things, right? And so even mom had to set herself apart. Because of what was going to happen. Could not do what? Couldn't cut his hair, right? Couldn't cut his hair. That was you know, the symbol of his strength, the symbol of God that gave him to the symbol of his strength. He killed a lion with his bare hands, right? And he had a woman problem. Samson loved him some women, especially Philistine women. He loved him some women. And we're familiar with Delilah, you know, but, and what we're going to concentrate on, though, is, is his first love interest that we read about in chapter 14 betrayed him much in the same way. So you thought he would have learned after the first time. Right, men? Amen? Women, and women, y'all should amen that one. All right, whenever I said it. So, right? So we thought that he would have learned the first time. His first love, you know, he was going to marry her. And, and so he decided to do this riddle. We're going to just kind of tell him the story here real quick, and we're going to jump into it. But he, he decided to come up with this riddle. And he knew nobody would know the answer because only he knew what the answer to the riddle was. And, and so he does this, and he goes, and he gives the riddle, and he's got a lot of money on the line. He's going to make him some good money. Back then, they bet garments and animals and things. That was just as good as having money. And so he, he bets all these things, and, and what happens? The people come to his fiance and say, hey, if you don't get the answer for us, we're not just going to kill you. We're going to kill your whole family. And so what does she do like any good woman? She begins to nag. Amen. No men, amen. Good job, guys. Good job. All the guys just went quiet. Amen. Good job. And she began to press, and she began to aggravate. And for a week straight, she began to, to just try to find the answer. And he wouldn't give and wouldn't give. And finally, he just got tired of it, and he finally told her the answer. So when he shows up, and he gives this real again, they have the answer, he knew he had been betrayed. All right? And, and so he gets mad. He gets angry. Right, but he literally leaves. He just leaves. He just man, walk away, man. We need to learn from that. Sometimes we just need to get mad, walk away. All right, and, and, and he gets mad, but he leaves, and he leaves for a little while, and he comes back, and he goes to his bride's uh, father and says, "Hey, I'm here for my bride. You know, let me go to her." And, and the father says, "Hey, man, you left, so we gave her to somebody else." And his, his father gave him to equivalent, what we would call the equivalent of his best man, and so and so. Samson got really mad that time. And so what he does, and he goes and he catches 300 foxes. Not, not foxy ladies, but foxes, all right? And, and he goes out, and he ties them all together at their tail, and he puts a torch between each one, and he lets them go into their fields, into their, their vineyards, into their, their olive, I almost said olive gardens, but that's not what it is. And their applebees and their T.J. Friday, no, the, what do you call them, olive, uh, olive groves, I think is what they're called. And they burn down, you know, 
all these things. And, and so this is kind of where we're, we're picking our story up. So he does this thing. He destroys the Philistine crops, destroys their, the things that, where they can survive. And then he runs and he hides amongst the people of Judah. And he's hiding in a cave. And, and, uh, and this is where we're going to pick up. We're going to stand up. I know you've been standing a lot, but don't worry. We're going to stand and read the, the word of God. And I'm going to let you sit for about an hour and a half until we get done. And then, um, but we see that the men of Judah sent 3,000 men to go get him and to hand him over. Now, here's the reason they did that. Because they knew that Samson was bad to the bone. This guy was legit. If you can catch 300 foxes, first of all, and then hold them down long enough to tie them together, keep them in the same place, and then let them all go, you know, you're a bad dude. And so if you'll stand with me, stand with me as we read God's word. If you can stand, if you can't stand, don't worry about it. You stay in your seat. All right? Judges chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 9 and read through verse 20. And it says this, Now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? And so they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson, to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom, and to Samson, do you not know the Philistines rule over us? So they're being bullied now by the Philistines. Why is this? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, as they have done to me, so I have done to them. But they said to him, we have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hands, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up to the rock, from the rock. And he came to Lehi, and the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Lord, Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called the place Ramoth Lehi. And then he came very, became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this deliverance in the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and the water came out of it, and he drank. And the spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called it uh, the name in Hakor which is in Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. God, I pray that you would just bless this time together. Lord, thank you for the uh, opportunity to read your word, Lord. I pray now that you would just hide me behind your cross, Lord. And, and God, just as you did, Samson, as we'll see, Lord, you filled him up. God, may you fill up your spirit in me that only it can pour out. In your name I pray. Amen. So we see this story of Samson, and we see a lot of things taking place, and, and most of us, we focus on Samson and Delilah, and we focus on that story. We don't spend a lot of time looking at it. I thought this was kind of a unique story, and, and, and we see that Samson had this, this weakness, this weakness for not just women, any woman, but Philistine women, right? And we know that they were not to intermarry. We know they were not to, to uh, do, uh, participate in anything with the Philistines at all. Uh, it was against God because, you know, they would bring their pagan uh, worshiping things into the to the camp, and so it was forbidden. But he had just this love, or this sin in his life uh, for, um, for for these relationships, and, and I'm sure he had other things. But despite that, despite the things in his life, God 
had set Samson apart. And God equipped Samson uniquely to do his will and to do the work that he had set up for him. And as, as we look at this, and I want you guys to kind of keep in mind that, you know, as Christians, you know, God has gifted each one of us uniquely, okay? He, he, he has gifted us, you know, with talents. Before, before we even accept Christ as our Savior, before we even come to know him, he gives us talents. Those aren't, those aren't spiritual gifts. Some are music. Some are, some are sports. Some have the gift of speaking. Some have all, you know, whatever it might be. You have, just have these talents that come naturally. But then when we accept Christ as our Savior, he gives us good gifts. He gives us what he calls good gifts, spiritual gifts, okay? And he gives us these things. And despite the fact that we fail, just like Samson, uh, we'll see that he failed. God has gifted us, and God wants to use us. In the same way, he wants to use us mightily. And, and maybe we won't kill a thousand men, amen. I don't know, Dean, Dean's kind of bad. Dean's hands are registered weapons, y'all don't know that. So Dean may kill a thousand men in his day, but, but you know, most of us probably won't do that, right? But here's what I want to focus on now, though, and it, it, we're going to kind of, we're going to take a turn here. This is not a story about Samson. This is a story about the Holy Spirit of God. What are you talking about, Bill? We're going to look at it. We're going to make four quick points this morning. Three points of, of how the Holy Spirit worked and, and how we knew he was going to have victory. And we're going to try to apply these things to spiritual battles in our lives. And then we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, at the end, how he refreshed him. But first thing, okay, first thing. How do we know that Samson was going to have victory? How do we know this is a story about the Holy Spirit? Verse 14, the very first part, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him mightily. That word means extremely, exceedingly immensely, majorly, energetically, heartily, vigorously. So it wasn't just a situation where Samson, you know, there's no proof that he bench-pressed cedar trees throughout the day, you know, got his body looking good, you know, he wasn't into all the weight lifting. We don't see anything like that. We don't see anything like that. What we see here, what we see here is that this was an, an act of God. What I envision in my mind, this is not a vision from God. I'm not telling you this is how it happened, but in my brain, which is very small and simple, I just kind of envision this thing, this Samson's going along, and all of a sudden there's just this big wind, and it just hits him. And just this is what I envision. You say, well, why, you know, why do you think like that? Well, we know that when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heaven was opened up and the Holy Spirit came down, right, like, a, like in the form of a dove, right? And so we know that this was a big, big deal. This wasn't a situation where it started at his toes and he began to pop muscles up. It wasn't Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and all of a sudden, no, this was... God sent the Holy Spirit in a hurry. Sent it in a hurry. This was this was something big. He was being rushed. Now, here's a man that's tied up. Can you imagine being tied up and your hands behind your back and 3,000 people coming to attack you? Maybe, maybe more than that. Well, there's 3,000 men of Jews. They weren't attacking, but there were thousands of men of the Philistines that were coming to attack, and he's tied up. So this was something. This was important. God had to send the Holy Spirit in a hurry. So I just envisioned this, and this, just, this thing just happening so quickly and so forcefully. And all of a sudden, we're going to look at some other things that happened, but, but it made me think about, you know, how can we put some analogy on this? And, and there's story after story of people who, in times of stress, who somehow or another have gotten these great feats of strength, accomplished great things. One just happened the other day. A little five-year-old boy saved his dad. There was a car on his father. It just happened the other day. It was in the news. And um, it took the dad and the son, the teenage son, took them both to lift this car up on this jack. And, and uh, two, two grown people. And so the dad's underneath at work, and the teenage brother's gone somewhere. He went in the house or something, and while the little boy's out there playing, the jack falls. 
and the dad is crushed. And the story goes, the news gave us, you can look it up, you can find it. It said the little five-year-old jumps up on the jack and it begins to just jump up and down. So a five-year-old took two grown men to lift this car, but all of a sudden here's this five-year-old who has the wherewithal to stand on this jack and begin to jump up and down and, and, and is able to save his dad. And once he gets the car up, he goes, then he goes and gets his brother to come help. So you see this, this rush of energy on this, on this five-year-old. My, one of my favorite ones I remember, you know, anybody watch Rescue 911? Amen, back in the day? Nobody else? That's all right. A couple of you, all right. And, and so there was a story, and you can find this on YouTube. I was going to show the video, and then I changed my mind. But, uh, but a, a helicopter, they were, they were flying the Magnum P.I. helicopter, right? And it crashed, and it happened to land in a ditch. And there was this gentleman named Tiny standing by. Now, I'm going to let you guess how much Tiny actually weighed to determine if he was really tiny or not, okay? But uh, Tiny was standing there, and his best friend happened to be the pilot. And the pilot was trapped underwater. And the video shows us a video probably from the late 80s or early 90s. And they're filming. And Tiny goes in the water, and he's able to kind of lift his friend out. But if he lets him go, he can't get him out. If he lets him go, he falls back in the water. Pulls him, he can't pull him out because the helicopter's sitting on him. So he finally gets somebody to help him, and the other person's holding on to the pilot. And here comes Tiny, and you, and you can just watch. I have no idea how he grabbed it. He just takes his helicopter and just lifts, and lifts his helicopter off of his friend, and the other person is able to pull the person out. Now, could Tiny lift a 2,000-pound helicopter nowadays? Probably not. Could he do it again? Probably not. Could that five-year-old, now if you ask him to jack that car up, could he do it? Probably not. You say, but scientists say that, that you know, when you get these, uh, these rush of adrenaline, we get these, these sudden bursts of adrenaline that in high-stress situations that it's almost like momentary superpowers. Momentary superpowers, okay? And, and, and so here's what I want, to, want, to, want you to get with this. Is the Bible tells us that when we repent and we give our lives to Christ, that we are immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a mighty thing. It's because it's the Holy Spirit that works in us and works through us. The Bible says that God is spirit and must be worshipped in what? Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, we can't worship God the way he's supposed to be worshipped, right? The Holy Spirit is how we are transformed and we grow in our faith. That big word is, I'm trying to teach our teenagers now, I use it over and over again for the last probably year and a half, the word is sanctified. We become like God, become holy. It's a process of becoming holy, and that is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and abilities that we do not possess or did not possess until we are saved. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us those things. You say, well, Bill, you know, what kind of gifts are they? It just depends. I'm an example of those gifts. My mom's here, so she'll, she'll amen for this. If I grew up in, in middle school and high school, I would gladly take an F rather than stand in front of a group of people and talk. I would not stand. You want me to do what? No, I'm good. Well, you know you're going to get an F. That's fine. Fine with me. I did it one time. I had to do it for my senior thesis. I made a C. Barely passed, but I passed. Right? But I refused to stand up and speak in front of people, yet here I stand before you. So it just varies. It varies depending on who you are and the situation and the person, how God empowers you. So we knew that he was going to be victorious. We knew this is a story about the Holy Spirit, number one, because the Holy Spirit came upon him mightily. The second thing, the second thing, the Holy Spirit strengthened him. Look at the second half of verse 14. Let's see, let's see. And it says, the ropes that were on his arms, they were two brand new ropes. Now remember that. They were on his arms, became like flax that is burned with fire, 
and his bonds broke loose from his hands. So the Holy Spirit strengthened him. So here's these people rushing. Remember, remember, there, there's no evidence that, that Samson was a weightlifter. There's no evidence that, that he, he was um, anything other than just an ordinary guy. But we see his feats of strength come when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Right? And, and so you can imagine in these stressful times, the lion attacking. Well, you, you would need the Holy Spirit right then, real quick, right? So, Brother Curtis, if you're out hunting and a lion comes at you, you better have the Holy Spirit to get that gun up, right? Amen. Amen. Get that thing ready. That's right. So, we're having a lion tonight, right? And so, but he kills, kills him with his bare hands. So, so we, see, we see these feats of strength, you know, they come, and we know it's because Samson is filled with the Holy Spirit, not just in the times of mercy, but we, we know that he was set apart. The Holy Spirit was upon him from before his birth. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the impossible. It also does the impossible for us. And, and I remember a time, and Brother, Brother Curtis, Miss Linda, some of you guys, Miss Martell, y'all might remember, we had a, a, a missionary that used to come here. He was from China. I think his name was Brother Dan, if I remember correctly. And for some reason, the story sticks out in my mind of him telling the story of taking Bibles into China, which in the 80s and 90s was worse than it was today. They would they wouldn't even question, you know, today you might have a little bit of leeway. I don't know, probably not much. But I remember him telling the story about being on a bus and having this bag full of Bibles and the bus being stopped and they're searching everybody and nothing you can do about it. It's communist China at the time and um, still is, I reckon. But, but um, they said he got to that bag. And I can remember, maybe I'm telling the story wrong. Somebody can correct me. But if I'm telling it wrong, it makes for an awesome illustration. All right, so, but... Anyway, so I can just remember him telling the story that they get to his bag and they open it up and they look in and then they zip it back up and they move on. And, and it's not the, anything that they had done, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit working for them in that situation, knowing that if that bag doesn't get through that checkpoint, that the people of China are not going to get those Bibles that they need to hear the Word of God. And, and so we see the Holy Spirit works for us. Samson was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and it gave him superhuman strength. Look at my big giant towel. I had to cut it in half, if y'all see the same. But uh, uh, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to live the impossible. You know, and, and there's no power in the universe like the power of the Holy Spirit. No power. It heals the sick, makes the lame to walk, raises the dead, breaks the chain of sin, defeats self-worth and struggle, gives us eternal life. And when you feel like giving up and things are at their worst, the Holy Spirit strengthens you to pick up and keep going. I tell you, January was probably the worst month of ministry our family has had. You know, you struggle when you, when you go into full-time ministry and you, and you leave your comfort zone and you leave the people that you have loved you the most and you love the most. And, and, and when things go on and Satan begins to attack, it's hard. It's hard. And January was a rough month for us. But I can tell you, and Amanda can tell you, and I think the boys can too, that every time something would happen, out of the blue, somebody would come to us and say, hey, I just want you to know that we love you. I want you to know we're praying for you. I want you to know that you guys are doing awesome. And so how the Holy Spirit worked in us, empowered us in those times, was through other people. You're not, not just as a word, but he used other people to, to strengthen us, to get through those tough times. And, and, and you know, it just, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and abilities. We talked about that, that, that we didn't have until we were saved. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, makes us holy in the sight of God. You know, when God looks down and he sees the simple world and 
you know, it is, he sees his Holy Spirit upon us. That's how, you know, that's how we're able to stand in front of a God, a holy God right now. You know, the Bible says that we can't even, no imperfection can get into heaven. So it's that Holy Spirit that works in us and works through us that begins to sanctify us and make us like God. And, and we should be in this process of growth. We should be in this process of becoming more and more holy and be in this process of becoming more and more like God. And we're never going to reach it this side of heaven. I know that we look out, especially a lot of you, uh, senior saints, thank you for you guys because, you know, your generation is a rarity. And, and uh, we look at some of them, we think, man, I don't know how much more close, to, how, how close to perfect you can get besides that. There's some people that just seem to just have it together. But I can promise you if you ask those people how they have it all together, they will tell you they don't. I promise you they will tell you, they'll, they'll, they'll laugh at you because they struggle like we struggle. And so we're in this process of becoming like God. And the Holy Spirit strengthens us and enables us, you know, uh, to get through hard times. It strengthens us uh, and, and enables us to do these different things. And, and so the Holy Spirit, you know, without it or apart from it, you know, we can't do the things that we do. We can't do the things that we do. So let's look very quickly. We're going to move on. The Holy Spirit uh, uh, came upon him quickly. The Holy Spirit filled him, so the Holy Spirit strengthened him. Look at the, first, the third thing, verse 15. The Holy Spirit worked through him. didn't just strengthen him, but the Holy Spirit worked through him. The Bible says that he killed a thousand men with what? A jaw of a donkey, right? And it says a fresh, here's what gets me. This says a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And I just had this vision in my head, and this is just how my brain works. My wife was going to put her head down and shake her head. That's all right. All right. Two thought processes come through my mind. It's a fresh, there just happened to be a random do, dead donkey in the area. I don't know. Then when the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and it hit, was it like a nuclear thing that happened? And the donkey was standing too close and he died? I don't know. Or did he happen to be walking by at the, the wrong place at the wrong time? And here comes this donkey walking by, and Samson goes, yeah, and he just snatches his jaw. So he's got his lip just hanging down, and he's walking around. You know, now there's this, this, this donkey walking through Israel with no bottom jaw. You know, I don't know. I don't know how it works or how it happened. But we know that the Bible says it was a fresh jawbone of a donkey, right? And he took it, and he killed a 1,000 men with it. Man, that's a bad dude. A bad. And he didn't tie a rope to it and do some cool nunchuck stuff. It said he took it in his hand, and he held it in his hand, and he killed a thousand men with this, jaw, this jawbone of this donkey. And as I said earlier, no one in here will ever kill a thousand men, I don't think. I, you know, Brother Steve, I'm not sure, buddy, maybe. maybe. I, asked, if I went to ask him, he told me he had to kill me, so I wasn't sure if that would make me number a thousand or a thousand and one. And so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But nobody in here, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can do some amazing things through us if we let him can do some amazing things. Now, I think about, you know, when I was originally putting this message together, it was for teenagers, and, and there were two stories that stuck out in my mind. One of a teenage girl, I think she was 15 at the time, maybe. I think she was ninth or 10th grade. And uh, she had to do a school project. And she decided she was going to build an orphanage in, a, in an African nation, impoverished African nation. I don't remember which one it was at the time. Um, but she had to raise $15,000 in three months. And they tried to convince her not to do it. But she just knew God had called her to do this thing. And she did not raise $15,000. She raised $18,000 in three months and was able to build this orphanage over in this country. There's a young man, and as a matter of fact, the inspiration behind your change uh, drives that we do today, um, 12 years old, 12 years old, heard that slavery was not over around the world. It was something 
uh, during Black History Month, and he was enjoying learning about it, and his mom told him, well, you know, slavery still happens, and he was just blown by this. And so he began to, to, to collect change, and, and, um, and he, he named his little thing Loose Change to Loosen Chains. And, and uh, at 12 years old, or uh, I know he's in middle school, I might have his age wrong, but it doesn't matter, but he began to collect change, and the first year he raised over $8,000. By the time he was 18, he had written three books. By the time he was 21, he was traveling the world speaking. God used this kid, this young man, the Holy Spirit empowered this person, this young man, to, to do some crazy stuff, stuff that we have changed, loose change, who would have thought? And, and today they still have loose change to loosen chains events all across the nation, all across the nation to, to support missions and to, to end slavery across and around the world. And so the Holy Spirit, and I keep going back to this, gives us gifts and abilities that we did not uh, possess, but, but you know, the Holy Spirit strengthens us. And here's what I want you to get, and, and get this. If the Holy Spirit strengthens you, it is not for no reason at all. If the Holy Spirit strengthens you, it is not for no reason at all. The, when the Holy Spirit comes into you when you are saved, it is not for no reason at all, but it's because God is going to do a mighty work through you. Preaching, missions, Sunday school, kitchen ministry, prayer warrior. If God has brought you into something, God is going to provide the Holy Spirit and he's just going to just and, and allow it to work through you to accomplish that goal that he has brought you to. I think about this church, and I'm not just saying this to, you know, to, for brownie points or anything like that, but you know, I think about, I heard about the, the, the food bank. I mean, you fed 32 people already this year, and I know sometimes it's hard to get food donations. And sometimes it's hard. To, you look at the shelves, and sometimes they seem bare. But somehow God still provides, Amen. you know, and you're still feeding these people. I think about missions that are done in this church, a church this side that goes to India, that goes to Ecuador, that goes to Canada. That who I don't even know where else y'all. You know, we we been, we were in Haiti whenever I was here before. We were all over the place, right? And a church this size is able to do the things they do, not because of anybody here, but because of the Holy Spirit using you as a church to do these things. It empowers us, right? The Holy Spirit works through us. But look, look at this. I've heard testimony after testimony of people who were going to kill themselves, you know, but the kind word of a friend or a stranger made them change their minds. You know, and, and there's times when you know, I think about my situation. I wasn't, I don't, Bill was not talking about suicide here for himself, but whenever we were discouraged, and so, you know, there was a, a senior uh, fellow that came and he would come for prayer time on Tuesdays and one day he just finally said in February, hey, you want to go to lunch? And for three out of the four Tuesdays in February, he took me to lunch and just poured into me. You know, I didn't ask him to, but he just knew that we were struggling. So it just that to that encouragement. One week he was on restriction, he had to go paint the house, so we couldn't go all four weeks. And uh, but he he would take me to lunch and just love on me, right? And, and so here's 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 the thing I want you to get from that: a small act in our eyes. Maybe a great feat in the eyes of God. A small act, bringing food in to the food pantry, don't sound like a big deal, but it could be a, a great deal in the eyes of our Savior. And you don't know how God's going to use you to impact someone or a situation. So don't discount the little things as nothing. There's nothing much. Because there's a great chance that there are big things in the sight of our Lord. And, and, and so we, we kind of... You know, a lot of times, sometimes we can get caught up in those things. That, yeah, it's not a big deal, whatever. And sometimes, and other times we can think of, we can do it the opposite way. We can give ourselves too much credit. And sometimes we don't give 
you know, we don't ever want to take credit, but you know where I'm going with it, that, that we could downplay it so much that we take the, the blessing out of it as much as, much as if we were to, to play it up so much that we were the greatest things in sliced bread, right? And so you can destroy your blessing the same way by not giving it the rightful place as you can by giving yourself too much credit. And so we know this is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the middle of this because the Holy Spirit filled him. The Holy Spirit strengthened him. And then the Holy Spirit worked through him. And so, so let's see what happens next here real quick. Excuse me. Verse 19. God refreshed him. God refreshed him. Look at, look at verse 19. What's it say here? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank. And his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called this place the name in Hakor, which is still only how this day. So Samson was wore out. He just had been rushed with the Holy Spirit. He just, just felt the, the power of the Holy Spirit on him in a great way, right? He fought the battle of his life. You can imagine, you know, if you look at verse 18, when he cries out, he says, you know, you know, you just did this through me, God. Now, now you're going to hand me over to these, these uncircumcised people. You're going to hand me over to the enemy. So that gives us the, the thought process to, to think about this. When we think about that verse, what does it mean? It means that he was probably still in the presence of the enemy. They had a lot of people to pick up. They had a thousand bodies to get. So it wasn't like they just got them and walked out. There's thousands of men picking up another thousand men and trying to get them out. And so he's probably still in the presence of the enemy. And so he's, he's, he's in this mental stress, right? He's in this physical stress, and he needed a fresh touch from God. And so God gave him water to give him his strength back. But there's more to be said about this. You know, why the sudden fainting or lack of energy? And, and um, I was excited the other day. They were cleaning out our library at the church, and they began to, they were throwing a bunch of stuff out, and there were this set of, Matthew Henry commentaries, and I don't know much about Matthew Henry. I just remember, okay, I've heard his name a lot. In seminary, I know this dude was a legit dude, so I took him. And, and uh, it's a set of six. It was written back in the 1600s, this commentary. And so in this commentary, Matthew Henry says this, that it is a natural occurrence to be exhausted after exerting such energy at such a pace. But he adds that perhaps there is a special hand of God in this so as to keep him from pride and to remind Samson that part of him he, uh, that apart from him, he is not able to accomplish these things. Well, then Matthew Henry goes on and quotes this guy named Josephus. All right. Any Josephus is in the house? No? All right. No. So Josephus, I can't say Josephus was a first century Roman Jewish scholar. You can look him up. I actually looked this up. I typed in Josephus on Samson. was able to verify this statement. Um, but uh, he says that if this was, in fact, designed by God as chastisement because we see in verse 16 that Samson fails to credit God. He says, I have slain a thousand men. Never says anything about God. He fails to give God the credit for his victory but claims it for himself. And we see that he comes to his senses over in verse 19. And then all of a sudden he's worn out and he begins to cry out to God, look what you just did in verse 18. You did this. So just two verses later, he's giving God credit from where he was taking credit at first. And so it's just kind of some interesting takes on that. But Here's the thing that we got to grasp for ourselves. That when we go through a spiritual battle, it is exhausting. It's exhausting. But the battle and the results do not belong to us. They belong to God. You know, we'll feel more physically worn out than if we were to run a, a marathon, most likely. And it's because our spirit is the core of who we are. It's, the, it's how we worship God. And so when our spirit is attacked, 
it wears us out, not just spiritually, but it wears us out physically and mentally too. And, and you'll see people, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, you see Samson needing rest. I can, you know, think that my wife fussed at me all January and February that I need to quit taking naps on Sunday. You know, but I needed the rest, right? And it was just in the midst of all these things going on. And, and um, we just need this rest. We need refreshing. Our body longs for these things. But I want to encourage us all to know that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and go. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and gives us the right amount of strength for whatever it is we're going through. Sometimes, sometimes that means he gives us rest after a battle, but sometimes that means he gives us a little bit more strength to keep going. The battle's not over. And, and, and so you've you got this thing, and you think about Isaiah 51, and you know, those you know, trust in the Lord will what? They will mount up wings as eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint, right? And so the picture that we have is that we're in this battle, right? We're in this struggle. We're in this thing going on, and, and we just need something more. And so we cry out to God, and he may give us rest at that moment. He may say, no, no, I need you to keep going. It gives you a little bit more strength. And that strength may last you one battle. That strength may last you a couple of years. And when you begin to fall again, we cry out to God, and we cry back up, hey, I need you. And God gives you just a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And, and, and it may last long periods of time. It may be short little, little sprints, but we know that it's the Holy Spirit that's strengthening us until he can finally say, hey, take a rest, take a break. And, and it's just a, a powerful, powerful thing. The Holy Spirit gives us rest and strengthens us mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's not something that we can accomplish on our own. It's the Holy Spirit in us that fights for us and through us that gives us victory. There's nothing we can do to assist him. He doesn't need our help, but we must lean fully on him to find victory through him. Let me read that again. That's a long quote. God just showed me this. It is not something we can accomplish on our own. It is the Holy Spirit that fights for us and through us that gives us victory. There is nothing that we can do to assist him. He doesn't need our help, but we must lean fully on him to find victory through him. God gave Samson water, and he's always faithful to give us what we need when we need it. A lot of times we're too busy fighting a battle on our own to realize God's standing there with exactly what we need. We're, just, we're fighting on our own. I got this, Lord. No, you don't. No, I don't. And we're fighting these battles, and, and we can't find victory because we're not leaning on the Holy Spirit of God in us to give us that victory. And I'm closing up. We can go ahead and get the guys to go ahead and come on up and get ready to do the invitation. But I want you to remember, this is not a story about Samson. This is a story about the Holy Spirit of God. Samson experienced great victory because the Holy Spirit filled him and used him. Samson experienced his victory because God used him, and he allowed God to use him. Even when Samson failed, and we see Samson failed throughout this whole story, Samson failed. But God had a plan, and and God knowing our imperfections, when God has called us to something, and we're faithful to him, and we're in this cycle of repentance with him, and we're walking with him as best we can, and we're, we're, we're trying to grow spiritually, and we're doing all these things, God is faithful to us as well. And he continues to give us the things that we need.
and continues to strengthen us and continues to give us the tools and the and and the and, and the strength and the and the wisdom and all the things that we're going to need. So then comes the question: How can you? How can I? Some of you may be thinking, Bill. You, you know, you're saying I can do all these. Careers. I'm not telling you what God's. I'm not up here telling you to name it, claim it. I'm not up here to tell you to to uh, that God's going to do these crazy things through you. But I'm telling you that if God uses you, it's a big deal. If God, it don't matter how small you think it is. If God is using you to further His kingdom. It is a big, big deal. And if you say, Bill, I don't know what you're talking about. If you want to know how you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must give your life to Christ. And look, I'm, I'm not going to give you a prayer to pray. I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't like that. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We must cry out to God. We must acknowledge our sin and the fact that apart from him, we are nothing. Our sin keeps us from his presence. And to be in his presence, there has to be something. There has to be something, a sacrifice. There has to be something in our place. And that something was Jesus on the cross. And, and I, I can give you a prayer to pray, but it's not going to do you any good unless you pray and you cry out to God on your own. And ask him to forgive you and, and, and recognize your need for him. Recognize your need for a savior. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to, to fill you with his spirit. Cry out and just, just pour your heart out. I had a teenager the other day, just on a, a random Wednesday night, and it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever heard. He was just, just weeping. And I kind of laughed at first. I was like, oh, my goodness, this kid is normally my one that I want to kill him every week. And he's just weeping, and he says, you know, and he's praying. And in the middle of his prayer, he says, God, I just want other people to experience what I'm experiencing right now. Ooh, I was like, my goodness. That's a powerful testimony from a kid who, you know, you never would expect. I just want people to experience what I'm experiencing now. He prayed down on his own. I didn't give it to him. So today, I'm going to ask you, are you born? Again, is there a time that you know that God has called you? Is there a time that you know because you can say, man, I gave my life to Christ? Maybe you're not sure. That's okay. I tell my teenagers, you know if it was real when you were five or it's real when you're 15, it doesn't matter. If it's real when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you know now and you understand that your faith and your hope is in Jesus Christ, that's, you know, and he's the one that gives you the way to heaven. He died on the cross for you. It don't matter. It doesn't matter as long as you understand it. And, and, and so the question is, are you born again? Maybe you're here and you've been through some things and you've been through some battles. You're going through some battles, and, and you just need to come to the altar and pray. You want me to pray with you? I'll be glad to pray with you. I know we have deacons here and other men and women of God. That grab a friend. Come pray. Come get before God and, and, and just, just lean on his Holy Spirit. God, we love you, God. We thank you for this day. God, I pray as we, we finish out this message this morning, God, God, that your spirit would just, uh, God, just grab a hold of hearts. God, as we see that you work through Samson, Lord, God, you, you filled him, you strengthened him, you used him, God, and you refreshed him after the battles. God, may we lean on your refreshment today. God, may we lean on your spirit today. And God, if there's one in here to this morning, Lord, who just can't say for sure that they know you, God, may today be the day of salvation. May they experience the filling of your Holy Spirit. 
And God, may you use them to do mighty and great things for your kingdom. God, finish this message up this morning. God, speak to our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?